0: You lose your souls. All of them. Over and over again.
1: Hi Sophie.
0: Hi
2: Sin.
1: Hi everyone. And welcome to the Snap Covenant, episode 282.
2: I thought this was going on Patreon. <laughs>
1: And today we're going to talk about the sassy fire keepers from Things Betwixt.
2: Yes, to a significantly larger audience than I was expecting.
1: Could you please describe the fire pit? The papa?
2: Thank you, Sin. The Fire Keepers are three old ladies that you meet in a hut, and the hut is in a tree. But, from what I can tell, it's actually the same old lady, and they just cloned her, so there's three of them. They look exactly the same.
1: Is this like Attack of the Clones?
2: Wouldn't be as effective, because they only made three of them, and they're, they're just old women who can't get out of their chairs. Instead of clones of Jango Fett.
1: Well, they give you a lot of sass, though.
2: They do, they do. Oh my, your
0: face. The face of the curse.
2: It's three old women. They have long, sort of like unkempt grey hair. They have these red robes on, and they're all seated. And they basically sit around their table all day drinking tea. I think they're actually specified as sisters.
1: Okay. So what are they drinking? Is it like Earl Grey, or like green tea, or like... That tea where you have a flower and if you put water on it, it opens?
2: Well, you'll have to ask Millibeth because she's making them the tea.
0: My name is Millibeth.
2: Millibeth is the lady who's like the housekeeper. She's the younger one.
1: Is she like a firekeeper in training?
2: No, no. This is interesting because you actually get quite a bit of um, info about the firekeepers and Millibeth when you talk to her. Firstly, she tells you that things betwixt, like, it's not actually really physically part of Drangleic.
0: This is a limbo. A link between Drangleic and the outer world. Fair traveller, I know that you must have a story. Why else would you visit such a place? This lost, decayed kingdom.
2: She calls it a limbo. And that's kind of important because we brought this up last time we talked about Dark Souls 2, but like, things betwixt geographically makes absolutely no sense.
1: According to you.
2: I'd say according to like if you look at the map, there's nowhere for a, a vast underground ocean to exist. Who made that map? About five different people, I think. <laughs> I think some people made it under Tomuhiro Shibuya and then... Um, Yui Tanimura made them move bits of it around, like, it's it's all over the place, but, like, she says it's a link between Lake and the outside world. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were confused by things betwixt, and, like, it's not supposed to make physical sense, it is, like, a limbo space. Mm -hmm. And when you talk to her, she says, the three old women are the fire keepers. And she said, I was told there was a fourth.
0: Oh! The old women were keepers of the fire. But now, the fire shows signs of fading. And the kingdom is beset by hollows. The old women are sisters. I am told there was a fourth. Long ago, fire keepers were commonplace. But now they are lost. Scattered to the winds.
2: She says that they're not the firekeepers anymore, and that they're sisters. And you asked, is Melabeth a firekeeper in training? Yeah. And she actually says, no, her job is to tend to them, and that was also the job of her mother and her mother's mother.
0: The old women were once firekeepers. I am here to look after them. It is what my mother did, and her mother before her, and so on. Oh,
2: she's not a firekeeper in training. She's a firekeeper, take a care of. That's literally her job, and something has been passed down from like from mother to daughter over these generations.
1: You just gave me a vision. Mm-hmm. You know, in Dark Souls Three, there's the Firelink Shrine. And when you go in there, you mm-hmm. meet various people like yeah. Andre, the firekeeper, mm-hmm. the shrine mm-hmm. maiden.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, what if? What if? The shrine maiden is the actual firekeeper, and the firekeeper is the taker carer of the shrine handmaiden who's actually the firekeeper. That'd have been
2: interesting. I mean, you can get an ex- you have a bunch of dead firekeepers in three. It's like a mass grave.
1: Oh my god, what if? Okay, what if yeah. the firekeeper from Dark Souls 3 actually killed all the other firekeepers? <laughs> I thought you
2: were going to say the firekeeper from Dark Souls 3 disguised herself as a shrine handmaid to avoid being killed. But of course, it's you, so it immediately defaults to she's a mass murderer. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie i also thought you were gonna say is like is the shrine handmaid in three millibeth oh and that's why she's in such a bad mood all the time
1: (laughs) i feel like your visions are a lot more logical than mine but mine are a lot more realistic
2: that's true that is realistic (laughs) (laughs) before we recorded this sin was telling me a lot's gonna end up on the cutting room floor (laughs) I think we just found a pretty good candidate for it. So you were saying... I've forgotten what we were saying, because you made me think that the Firekeeper from 3 is a mass murderer.
1: <laughs> you just gave me another vision.
2: Have you been drinking?
1: <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> so you know the Firekeepers in Dark Souls 2? Mm-hmm. They wear red hoods. They do. But... As we know from Dark Souls Three,
2: mm-hmm.
1: only one person in the Soulsborne universe wears a red hood. Yes, Uncle Gale. So, do you think these Fire Keepers ate Gale for his dark soul <laughs> and kept his red hood as a trophy?
2: That that would that would fit into my uh, the timeline goes one three two theory. Hi, Sophie here. I know. A rarity these days as Synchro is increasingly obsessed with one-note comedy characters, and I am using the word comedy and the word characters extremely advisedly. But speaking of one-note characters, remember Slave Knight Gale and his iconic Red Hood? Do you ever wonder what really happened on that fateful day when... he went forward in time and ate some people? Sounds a little true crime, doesn't it? If you think Dark Souls and... ...True Crime... ...need to be the same thing, but instead of... ...Dark Souls, it's Bloodborne... Um, good news! Sin and I have a new Patreon goal! If we hit it, then we'll be recording an exciting... ...Bloodborne True Crime series! Getting to the bottom of just who killed... ...Lady Maria of the Astral Clock Tower. If you'd like to help us reach that goal and help us produce other high-quality content and also get access to garbage that we think is too bad to release on this channel, head to patreon.com slash Back to the podcast.
1: So, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> you were saying that, what's her name? Is a firekeeper take your care?
2: Milibeth, yeah. 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 She gives you a spoon.
1: A spoon?
2: Yeah, you know how there's the two the two Shrek ogres in the forest, right? hmm They're by the coffin okay. that I use quite a lot, yeah, for some reason. If you kill them and go back to Milibeth, she'll say, like, you proved yourself in the forest. Take this. Uh, this is all I can offer you, and it's a spoon. Is it totally OP? It's interesting that you bring this up. The spoon itself is not a terribly powerful weapon. okay, Because it's a spoon. Okay, But, but, when you hold it, it increases some of your stats. It increases your adaptability, it increases your vitality and your endurance, but it lowers your dexterity. That is effective even if it's in your offhand. So if you wanted to, you could two-hand a weapon and then have the spoon in the like, other slot, because it doesn't matter because you're not using it. And you would get the stat bonuses from the spoon. Interesting. It's very interesting. A lot of Dark Souls 2 does weird stuff like this. Mm -hmm. And um, I hope it carries over to Elden Ring, which is co-directed by Yui Tanamura. Yay! Yeah.
1: By the way, did you know there's a movie called Room Full of Spoons?
2: Is it about the room that Tommy was so...
1: How did you know? So that,
2: that has the spoons in it.
1: This is why Sophie is the film professional. I can throw any movie at her, and she knows. She knows all.
2: I don't. I don't know anything. All my friends are like, yeah, have you seen the latest? And I'm like, no.
1: She knows all before 1998.
2: <laughs> That's a pretty good cutoff point. Lost from <laughs> the Past was 99, and I didn't see that, so. <laughs> Hi, Sophie here. Sin wants me to explain, cult film, The Room. The Room is a notoriously terrible vanity project by an extremely strange man who has no idea what he is doing. Many scenes inexplicably feature framed photographs of spoons as set dressing. There's actually a theory that the uh, auteur behind the room, that's writer, director, producer, and star Tommy Wiseau, didn't actually direct the film, and it was uh, mostly directed by the script supervisor, whose name is Sandy Schlaer. And um, as someone who worked on a lot of student films in the uh, late 2000s and early 2010s, I am inclined to believe that uh, this may actually have some merit to it. Basically, there is a threshold of technical competence. That's technical competence, not artistic merit. That um, any professionally distributed film is not going to fall below. And consequently, people don't realize films can fall below those. Um, Just things like having eyelines match in between edits. um, Making sure everything is in focus. Things that we're so used to seeing that we think of them as natural, but they actually do need to be planned out ahead of time. And this is why a lot of student films look and sound awful, because they're made by people who haven't learned that you need to figure those things out ahead of time. And um, basically, the thing about The Room is that as weird and incompetent as it is, it still clears that bar of technical competence. And uh, I don't believe Tommy was so did that by himself. Anyway, back to the podcast. I don't even know what this one's about anymore.
1: So, Sophie. Yes, Sin? You were talking about Milibeth?
2: Yeah, Milibeth gives us a little more information about the Firekeepers. And she says, um, they have looked like this for as long as I have known them. Milibeth is not that old. She looks to be, like, sort of 20-ish, maybe 30-ish. Mm-hmm. Um so it's possible that like that's just to imply they've always been old.
1: Okay. because
2: She possibly didn't start being a, ha- a firekeeper taken care of until like a decade ago maybe. Okay. okay. Yeah. But um it could also mean that they're like weirdly sort of ageless. Like they just sort of always always old. Yeah. And she says like that they they were once more firekeepers a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And she says that um they're lost and scattered to the winds. Oh. So yeah, those are the last three firekeepers, and they're not even tending to a bonfire.
1: Well, there's a fire in the fireplace.
2: Yeah, there might be Milibeth there.
1: So she's a firekeeper in training.
2: That's true. If she doesn't keep her eye on that fire, that place is going up because it's literally a tree. <laughs> it's all just wood, it looks like a Sylvanian family like <laughs> playset. We can talk a little more about the fact they're in a tree, because that's interesting.
1: Yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah, because um, it's an ash tree.
1: An ash tree from, like, the ages long ago? Arch tree. Oh, my bad. let the take two. I don't want to hear <laughs> unknowledgeable about this. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sophie. Yes, Sue. You were saying something about an arch tree.
2: Yes, in an arch tree. So the Fire Keepers live, live in an arch tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, like, really notable, because um, there's, like, weird stuff with things betwixt, because things betwixt, it looks like a dark version of Ash Lake. It's, like, big, like, the, the sort of the, the dune beach and, like, the sea going off into the distance forever, and these, like, giant sort of trees standing up, and then... Like, that whole tutorial area that's all inside of trees. We're going in and out of arch trees, and they live in one of them. And you get a sort of, like, interesting kind of look into how they live their lives, because they have, like, outside, they have all these bones hanging up. hmm It's actually not clear if, like, they're killing animals and hanging the bones up, or, like, the bones are from dead animals, they're hanging them up as some sort of, like, a warning or a decoration or something. hmm Yeah, it's just, it's all very odd. And like, there's, they just seem to live there. They don't, there's no beds or anything. They just seem to be in the chairs all day. And it's a a two-level tree. Berenstain Bear style, they live in a split-level tree. (laughs) And um, yeah, they, they have a ton of human effigies. They seem to be tied to the making of the effigies, I think. Yeah. They'll give you an effigy and explain how it works.
0: It's a human effigy. take a closer look who do you think it's supposed to be think back deep into your past yes it's an effigy of you if you
2: kill Stroan, who is the main one she drops effigies and they have a chest of effigies in the top floor and then like also Strowan is the one who will reallocate your points if you use a soul vessel Mm
0: -hmm. she
2: can literally remake you
0: still determined as ever i see (laughs) do you wish to start
1: all over again
0: You must go on a journey without rest. Well, I suppose if you find yourself at an impasse, but if your will is yet unbroken, then you may return here to start again with a clean slate.
2: No other NPCs can do that. She's a very interesting kind of character. Stro and the other two are called Moral and Greent and they, they have dialogue in the very very beginning when you go into the tree they will talk
0: it's an undead an undead has come to play
1: <laughs> they
0: all end up here all the ones like you you spoke to that kind old dear didn't you Hollows prey upon men, feast upon their souls. This is the fate of the cursed. (laughs) You're no different, I should think. Hmm, doesn't stand a chance. You never know. (laughs) Go through the door and trot along to the kingdom.
2: So prior to meeting the three old ladies, there's actually another old lady that we meet. What? Yes, she's the woman that we meet in the intro cutscene, in the CG one, who's like...
1: (gasps) Yes! Yes,
2: yes, I believe they called it Lake.
0: Long ago, in a walled-off land far to the north... So, Sophie? Yes?
1: Did we just find the fourth firekeeper? You spoke to that kind old dear,
0: didn't you?
2: You spoke to that kind old dear, didn't you? I'm assuming, because I don't know who else it could be, that's the old lady in the intro tells you how to get to Drangleic. So they know her, so it's possible she is actually the fourth one, and Emerald Herald is something different.
1: I think that's what we should go with, canonically yeah. in the Snap Covenant. because <laughs> <The> real canon. <laughs> Emerald Herald doesn't even know the other Firekeepers, right? Well, no,
2: this is the thing, because they say like, the Fire Keepers aren't used anymore, right? Emerald Herald's like, she's technically a firekeeper. She watches over the fire, but she's something else. She's something that was like conceived of through this weird thing with dragons.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Are the firekeepers no longer necessary because the Emerald Herald exists. So like, we have a better one now. We have updated, we have firekeeper (laughs) 2.0. It's like, you know, you're just like like an old iPhone or something. We don't need you anymore. You can just go and stain this tree. (laughs) No, but it might literally be that. Because, like, in Dark Souls 1, there's firekeepers for, like, a bunch of major bonfires. Like, it's, like, Krellag's sister and the um the Dark Lady and the dead ones in, like, New Londo and stuff like that. Whereas, um, and in Dark Souls 3, like, there isn't either one firekeeper, but you can make another firekeeper um, by letting Irina read, like, a holy text. She becomes a firekeeper.
0: ah. <sighs> Sweet champion, leaving so soon. Please, come back in good time.
2: Whereas in Dark Souls 2, it's just the Herald. There's no other firekeepers in it. And, yeah, so it could actually be that, like... Yeah, like she's saying, like the firekeeper isn't needed anymore. We have the Emerald Herald. She behaves differently. She's linked to the bonfire in a different way. She's connected to them by some weird feathery thing that's like, yeah, it's in the cut content, so we won't talk about it because it's not even finished. Even the cut stuff's not properly finished. But like, <laughs> there's something about her and the cycle and the fire that's different. Yeah. Yeah, so it's almost like yeah, we don't need firekeepers anymore, so they're just living out the rest of their days in some like retirement home for firekeepers.
1: <laughs> but I wonder, what if the firekeepers don't want to tend to the fire anymore, so they just left, and so a new firekeeper needed to be created.
2: A vacancy. What? There's, there's like a job vacancy. Yeah. Emerald Herald's in drag. She's in Dragon Shrine. And then they're just like looking through the paper and it's like, and she's just circling and there's like, oh, firekeeper.
1: <laughs> yes.
2: And because it's a bunch of her, she's working from home. There we go. <laughs> she's like, I want, I want some firekeeping work and I want it to be remote.
1: Yes. Well, yeah. okay. Think about it this way. Okay. If the sassy firekeepers are boomers, it's time for them yeah. to retire. That's true. And Emerald Harold is a millennial. She's looking to upgrade, and you know, with the yeah. pandemic, you want to work from home. Yeah, there we go.
2: She has a lot of millennial energy. Actually, she's just standing like, "Oh, again? Are you the next monarch?" <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> just stuck staring at the sea all day. She's not allowed to leave. <laughs> Turns
1: out she was skyping you from. Dragon shrine the whole time. And just for people who may not be aware, you use the word to describe her. Skyping. <laughs> no, the projection.
2: Oh, bunshin. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Could you please
2: explain what that is? Okay, so um, when you meet Emerald Herald and Dragon Airy,
1: mm-hmm.
2: she says, "I don't remember the English exactly, but she says something like." you were led here by a projection of me. You were led here by my, like, an image of me or something. But what she's saying in Japanese specifically is you were led here by my bunshin. Mm -hmm. And a bunshin is, it's like a doppelganger. So that's what it's getting at. It's like the quote-unquote real Emerald Herald. Mm -hmm. This is confusing because you can kill the Emerald Herald in Majula and she leaves a gravestone and everything as if she's actually dead. Mm -hmm. But, like, I guess a bunshin can be, like, can be flesh and blood. But basically, like, Emerald Herald has been in Dragon Shrine the whole game, and she's just projected this, like, doppelganger version of herself out. Which makes you wonder why she couldn't, like, show up at other places.
1: Because, uh, it's not her job. <laughs> that is not her ship. Yeah, she's not okay, gonna
2: show yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aldia does it.
1: <laughs> Aldia's
2: just like, you're just gonna light a bonfire, he's like, ah, hello. <laughs> I have another philosophical question for it. Not now. <laughs>
3: What makes a king? <laughs> just
2: like, I I just wanna I just wanna tag the bonfire because it's late, okay?
3: <laughs> what is your answer?
2: <laughs> so I I actually I really want to talk about Aldia and the Fire because it's it's kinda interesting. Alright. This just occurred to me recently because I've been talking to Casative.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Um about Dark Souls 2 a lot. And something like we've brought this up um a few times as well, but like a lot of Aldi's dialogue is paraphrased from Macbeth. Are you familiar with Macbeth? Did you have that in Russia?
1: Is this like Shakespeare or whatever? <laughs>
2: yeah, it is. It's that, that's the guy. Okay. <laughs> Macbeth, right? The sort of inciting incident of the guy's downfall is he finds the three weird sisters in the forest. Oh, like the three fire keepers. It's just these, like, the, yeah, the, they, yeah. yeah they, I got
1: it so Yes, yes. You
2: made a face. <laughs> <'Cause I> was...
1: <laughs> <laughs> You've made your confused face. No, I made an O oh face. And then <laughs> I was waiting for you to continue. And you were like, this bitch is not making a connection. This let me explain. <laughs> yeah,
2: so, like, you meet the three, um, the three... Weird Sisters, like, Macbeth meets the Three Weird Sisters. And I'm like, because I thought, okay, the thing from Macbeth um, stuff, that's probably just the English translator being flowery. That instead of, like, men are props upon the stage of life and stuff like that. But now I'm like, oh, was this in Japanese as well? And then I remembered, right? People, I think most people watching are probably familiar with, even if they haven't seen it, that there is a very long like dark souls 2 defense video that's made by h bomber guy right and in that he draws a connection between the old lady that we made in the cg intro and the film throne of blood because throne of blood has a scene at the beginning where the main character encounters it's like it's this essentially the same scene it's this old lady and she's like in a hut and she's spinning she's spinning thread on a wheel and there's a spider going past and he makes that connection based on that imagery he also makes it based on the presence of the spider because the castle in throne of blood is called spiderweb castle now i was thinking initially okay the woman spinning the thread on the wheel that is just like a stock piece of like Japanese folklore imagery, it's like the web of fate is being spun. You see that character, the idea of like spinning the web, being like someone who can predict the future because they're seeing the web spinning, spinning, spinning. Not necessarily Throne of Blood. Um, Sin, are you familiar with Throne of Blood?
1: I've been smiling and nodding, but I have no idea what it is.
2: Throne of Blood is based on a play called Macbeth.
1: Whoa!
2: Yeah, Throne of Blood is Samurai Macbeth. And in that one, the old lady spinning the thread is, like, the stand-in for the three sisters.
1: Oh, my God. And now I'm like, yeah, actually.
2: (laughs) 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 Yeah. And it's like, if you think about Macbeth, like, it's sort of about, like, ambition and lordship and, like, what makes a lord. Do you seize it or do you grant it it? And what is it your fate to become a lord? And I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe this is intentional, and I was just being unfair on the English translator, thinking they shoved all that stuff with Aldia because <laughs> they're a frustrated lit major or something. <laughs> but yeah, there we go. I, I think the three, um, the three firekeepers might actually supposed to be kind of analogous to the three sisters in Macbeth.
1: Amazing! Thank you. And you wanted to mention one more thing about the firekeepers.
2: Yeah, so the firekeepers don't really do anything after the beginning of the game. They stay in the hut. They will allow you to reallocate points based on you having a soul vessel. There's one, like, thing that happens in the story that they react to. And that is you getting Vendrick's ring. If you come back after you've got Vendrick's ring, which is like the symbol of kingship, Strowan will give you another six effigies
1: whoa. Yeah. Do you think they were about to expire? And she's like, oh, I have these effigies. You're the greatest.
2: Well, it's interesting, because like, she's the one who first explains effigies to you. Yeah. Because she's the one who says, "Like, he take this look at it, what do you see? And she's like, yes. It's mm-hmm. an effigy of you, and that's what allows you to like, re-embody yourself.
1: Yeah, I found her very condescending when she did the whole effigy thing, when you tell her your name, she's like, Oh, at least you know your name. Oh, at least
0: you know your own name.
1: Here's your reward for sharing. Here's your reward it's a human effigy.
2: <laughs> she probably has to do this a lot. <laughs>
1: No, but I, I, I,
2: I like her. I like I like them because they're like they sass you in the same way the one in Dark Souls 3 sasses
1: you.
0: Is it not our sorry fate to suffer on death?
2: <laughs> because like I, a lot of them are just like the Emerald Herald's like, oh, the next monarch. And the one in three is like you must become a lord, and the five was like, ah, you're gonna die. Fuck you. And
1: then you pull pull off the hood and it's AT.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, like, that itself is interesting because it's like, you become re-embodied as a result of the old women. And they specifically mention, like, this is a limbo space. So actually, like, in a sense, like, they're your mother. They're allowing you to be reborn into the world again.
1: Did you just say they're born? Did you just yes, say Reborn? Yes, I did. I did. did I said just said very reborn?
2: deliberately.
1: You know there's going to be a note.
2: Yeah.
3: Hello. From Software President Hidetaka Miyazaki here to explain my favorite anime, Kitekyo Hitman Reborn. Kitekio Hitman Reborn is the story of... Sorry, I'll just let that go to voicemail.
2: Hello, Mr. Miyazaki. Uh, I heard you were working on a new robot oh game. Oh my God! is that and fucking I tree again. You wanted some inspiration? There's a stupid Nintendo one called Zardion. Where at the end of it, the robot turns into a tree. Could could you let me know if you're interested?
1: Thank you.
3: So, Kiseki: Hitman Reborn is the story of all oh, for fuck's sake.
2: Oh, oh. Oh, hello. It's me again. I know you said to call you um, only during office hours, but I've been very busy and I'm currently recovering from a hand injury.
3: You so, don't have so hands. I did
2: remember. Goodbye.
3: Yeah. I have uh, also been asked uh, to explain the three old broads that live in the tree. They are former firekeepers, for all I know, and their names are Strowan, Moral, and Greent. Yui is terrible with names. Like when I when I come up with a Sun guy, his name is Solaire. When I come up with a revolutionary leader, his name is Maximilian Thermidor. Yui's like, ooh, I'll call them fucking Titchy Grin." Thankfully we have George now, and uh, he helped us come up with uh, Marika, Melania, Michaela, Melina, the other ones. I think this episode is about Firekeepers, um, let's just go back to that.
2: So yeah, in a sense, these characters are kind of like, they're a sort of mother for you, in a sense, that like, you're washed to show, like, you have no form, you have no identity, and then they're the ones that sort of embody you and make you like a solid like defined person and then from there that's when you enter you enter drang lake it's like they're like um i hate joseph campbell i hate him so much but there's an archetype that gets thrown around a lot called the threshold guardian the idea of like when you're crossing like a threshold from one world or state to another there's like someone there sort of like Helping you through or like preventing you from going, and they they sort of function like that. Like, they're actually if you just walked directly through things betwixt without encountering them, you would stumble out into Drang Lake with no name and no identity, and you would essentially just become one of the roaming hollows. But what they do is they actually let you remember that those old ladies are necessary to you crossing over.
1: Interesting. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sin. Did you know that I actually know a quote from Macbeth?
2: Is that um the quote you were looking at then when you were quite obviously, like, typing something, looking at a monitor?
1: No, Sophie, no. I was not typing. Oh. This is a sound some of us have not heard in a while, but true cultists will instantly recognize it. And the quote is... Euthrasonical Thrill-tongued rabbit sucker
2: (laughs) (laughs) That did take me a second But I, I know what's happened
1: Sophie, do the outro
2: That was The Snack Covenant Episode 282 Which I didn't know was 282 I thought this was Patreon exclusive But everyone's gonna hear this And I'm overjoyed um, it was about the fire keepers from Dark Souls 2 who aren't firekeepers because they spend all day drinking tea around a little table. It's actually kind of cute when you think about it. Aww. Aww.
1: Do you think they put some alcohol in their tea?
2: Milibeth's drugging them. It. It's a little <laughs> fucking dark! Oh my
1: god! I was thinking no Sophie, no Sophie! <laughs> I was thinking they put alcohol in their tea like me, you know, to chill out and relax. <laughs> But you work.
2: <laughs> I can see you becoming one of these people in about fifty years. Yeah.
1: We're <laughs> <More> like ten. is <laughs> the way things are. Cool. You no, know,
2: early twenty seventies. It'll just be like the two of us in red robes in a tree.
1: <sighs> well, thank you, Sophie.
2: <laughs> thank you, Sim.
1: And thank you, everyone, for listening. And see y'all next time. Bye bye. Bye.